I'm Kelsey Baumgarten, and welcome to the Kitchen Sink Gospel. Each week we will learn a little bit more about food and the Word. In the time it takes for you to wash the dishes and wipe the counter, I hope to encourage you through the goodness of God and to inspire you to find Him in your food and even in the dishwashing. This will be the place that the ordinary kitchen becomes sacred ground. Fall is here, and in our house, that means it's soup season. No less than once a week, soup will be on our menu, from now through matzo ball soup during Passover weekend, though we will definitely eat matzo ball soup a few more times before then. When you think about fall, you may cringe, maybe a bad memory, traumatic experience, or if you're like my oldest sister, your absolute hatred of colder temperatures. I love this time of year. I miss the Northeast with every fiber of my being as we head into October. The bright leaves, cool temperatures, and my mom's chicken corn soup. Autumn is a warm, welcoming hug to me each and every year. Growing up, you may recall the Campbell's Soup commercial, with a snowman coming into the house and his mom places the steaming bowl of chicken noodle, straight from the can, in front of him. He takes a few slurps and then we realize that snowman isn't a real snowman. He's a kid just like me. Props to the marketing departments back in the 90s because to this day, when I think about that commercial, I want to rush to the store and grab a can of Campbell's. The kitchen is warm and it invokes our own tables and our own childhood kitchens. I remember feeling frozen stiff after a day of playing outside in the snow with my siblings. The mom reminds us of our mom with her own warmth and her own can opening abilities. It's a commercial that encapsulates everything we want from a bowl of soup. Warmth, comfort, home. This week we are making, you guessed it, soup. I chose two of my easiest recipes, chili and the household favorite, broccoli cheddar. Fret not, in the coming months, we will step up our game in the kitchen, between what we cook and bake. But when it comes to soup, the process is easy. It's never complicated, and it shouldn't be. It should be this beautiful marrying of different ingredients that are never hidden. Rather, they blend into something comforting and delicious. Also, the broccoli cheddar is half homemade, and you can't judge me because when you taste it, you'll be transformed and never go back to a roux-based broccoli cheddar again. This week, the week of soup, we're also taking a look into one of my favorite redemption stories in the Old Testament. It's going to throw you for a loop, but I need you to trust me, because just like the kid in the Campbell's Soup commercial, I think we've all grown a little cold, wearing our worries, cares, and cynicisms. In fact, you may be someone that refuses to let summer dismiss herself and rest for a few months. Maybe you're dreading the cold, or maybe you just really love summer. Possibly, you are in the camp that these months are the loneliest. Maybe you do not have a family to spend the coming holidays with. Maybe you are in a new place and have yet to find your community or good friends. And friend, I've been there. Regardless, lean into the little part of you that is saying warmth, comfort, home. In Joshua 7, we learn about Achan. And I am confident you're scratching your head wondering how I'm going to take you from Achan to soup, but it's going to happen. Before we get into this, it's important that we focus on one really big thing. Obedience before God is really important. So when we read the story of Achan, we might want to clutch our pearls, hypothetical or otherwise, and rail at the heavens. How can the God I love be so merciless? I like to think of it like this. I let my daughter know before she goes and cleans her room. And you may not stick anything under your bed and call it clean. She knows the rules. She's been informed and she complies. Days later, she's frantic. Her library book is nowhere to be found and it is already days late. I ask her if it is under her bed, and she lies and assures me no. We walk upstairs, and there, under the bed, along with countless other items, is the missing library book. Her face likely flushes red. 
tears would fill her eyes, embarrassment would overcome her. She not only broke the rules knowingly, but she tried to hide it. The consequences are significant. The library book comes with fees we must pay, and she didn't do the job the way she was told, and she lied about it. Now, this is just a simple library book in my kid's bedroom. What's happening here with Aiken is grand scale, huge proportion. Israel is at war on their journey to the promised land, their home. And their obedience, big and small, matters. Aiken decided he was going to take a few of the devoted things, things that were set aside that they were told not to take. And guess what? Israel lost big time. Joshua throws an epic fit before the Lord and demands to know why on earth this would happen. He doesn't just stop at the fit throwing. He says, Alas, O Lord God, why have you brought this people over the Jordan at all? To give us into the hands of the Amorites to destroy us? Would that we had been content to dwell beyond the Jordan. O Lord, what can I say when Israel has turned their backs before their enemies? For the Canaanites and all the inhabitants of the land will hear of it and will surround us and will cut off our name from the earth. And what will you do for your great name? Guys, Joshua straight up has a gladiator, are you not entertained moment with the literal God of the universe. Sweet little Joshua with the go big or go home, big time promised land cometh faith is throwing his hands at the sky and saying, what about your great name now, Lord? Huh? Frankly, if I were God, I'd smite him, but thank heavens I'm not. God responds, get up. Why have you fallen on your face? Israel has sinned. They have transgressed my covenant that I commanded them. They have taken some of the devoted things. They have stolen and lied and put them among their own belongings. Therefore, the people of Israel cannot stand before their enemies. They turned their backs before their enemies because they have become devoted for destruction. I will be with you no more unless you destroy the devoted things from among you. Let me nutshell this for you. God gave them ample warning here. Everyone understood the rules. Achan was distracted by the fancy devoted things. He hid them away in the ground underneath his tent. He coveted, he lied, and I think worse yet, he didn't trust that God's upcoming blessings in the promised land would be even better than the things he hid away. And his sin is not his alone. It is communal, even in seed form. Every giant oak begins with a small acorn. Israel will be the very group of people that the Savior of the world comes from. There can be no acorns of sin allowed to become giant oaks. Confrontation would be had. Achan will be brought to the Valley of Achor. And he, along with his children, would be stoned for his punishment. I know, it's hard to wrap our heads around this, but you have to hang in and hold on and then flip over to Hosea. Otherwise, you're going to miss the beauty of the story. The merciful God, the kind God, the redemptive God. This valley of Achor, the place of Achan stoning, goes through an identity change. This valley served as location to something horrific. The Lord turned from his anger after the sin had been addressed, when the acorn of sin had been thoroughly squashed. This place of Israel's tumultuous moment becomes the door of hope. This place will be the place of God's mercy on Israel. The valley served stage to destruction and death was renamed, changed, and transformed. Only it was just not renamed, it was redeemed. The door of hope would become the very door to home for the Israelites. The people of Israel spent years upon years shifting from place to place and season to season, never without a true home. 
Many would die in the wilderness, never permitted to see the promised land. Others would doubt the promised land even existed until their bare feet stood upon the grasses and ate those Caleb faith grapes. They saw it all. And they were forced to adapt and change time and time again, but remain obedient and faithful no matter what and no matter how hard it felt, no matter how shiny the loot was. And I think we can all attest that the past two years of our lives have felt confusing or disheartening and sometimes flat out hard. Just like me, you might still catch yourself writing 2019 when you write the date. Where have the past two years gone? We'll never get that time back and yet we still feel as though we're paused. That time never passed, and yet it has, and quickly. So as the leaves change, and our soup is warming on the stove, and the temperatures drop outside, you may find yourself more melancholy and saddened than expectant and hopeful. Can I challenge you with something? Embrace the season anyway. Plant your two feet firmly on the ground of October and decide that these final few months of this year are coming whether you want them or not. Allow God to speak life into the dead places. Allow him to bandage and heal the broken bits. Allow him to answer the call inside of you for home, warmth, and comfort. Light the candle. Embrace the changing temperatures and loosen your hands from summer. Pull out the stock pot. Warm the oil. Chop the veggies. Breathe deeply. Ladle into bowl. Grab the spoon. Sit down with your family around the candlelight. Dunk the bread. Close your eyes. Take it in. The new season has arrived. Changes here. Redemption never left. Hope has always stayed lingering in the vicinity, just anxiously waiting for us to acknowledge him. As for Achan, there was no miraculous resurrection. Achan was the son of Carmi, Carmi the son of Zabdi, Zabdi the son of Zerah, each one a son of the tribe of Judah, the same tribe that would bring forth the Son of God. Redemption was always woven into Achan's story from the very beginning. So maybe this season, we decide redemption wins and hope he can sit back down at the table, pull up a bowl and say, welcome home. His goodness is everywhere. Thanks be to God. Thanks for listening. I hope that you are leaving encouraged in Christ and inspired in your kitchen. You can find me over on Instagram at Kitchen Sink Gospel as well as here each and every Monday. I leave you with these verses from Ephesians 2, 17 through 22. He came and proclaimed the good news of peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near. For through him we have access in one spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of God's household built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the cornerstone. In him, the whole building being put together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you are also being built together for our God's dwelling in the spirit. Praise the Lord. He is our home.